0: This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Such an honor, for real, such an honor to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. And for those who may know or may not know, our amazing pastors, Pastor Darren and Wendy, are on a much-needed Break and rest. So, wherever they are, I just say I bless them today. They're actually, come on, how many of you guys know it's so nice to get a change of scenery and to allow your heart, especially when you're in the grind, the daily grind, to be refreshed. And so, that's what this trip is for them. It's also a ministry trip. So, they are ministering the gospel with some of our ministry partners overseas. And so, we miss them greatly. But that means for the month of June, that you get stuck with some pretty awesome people, but for today, you get stuck with me. So, and not just me, I have to say that this is um, my second time speaking, but you get stuck with our baby girl, because we're 20 weeks. We're 20 weeks, so if I if I come up for a pause, it's either because I have really bad acid reflux, which is so real right now, or I'm being punched in the lungs, which is also very real. It's tiny, but it's still palpable. So. Anyways, you guys had—who was here last week? Anybody? I hope so. (laughs) Um, We started this new series, what we're calling a Servolution series, and it is this um, revolution of serving. And Juan kind of introduced this last week, but there's a couple hot, hard words to speak on. One of them is giving, the next is serving. And so I want to go into this with a fresh perspective this morning. Um, As I was prepping for this word, I had this incredible message with like 10 points. So I'm like, hey, this is how the servant lives. Because that's kind of what I'm titling today's message. But, you know, it's like the servant lives like this. The servant lives like that. And I was going into this week kind of giving it a reboot and a refresh. And the Lord was like, no, Savannah. Like, we're actually not going to share on that this morning. Like, we're going to keep it simple. And he asked me to kind of dial it back a layer Because it's nice to know kind of what a servant is, but we can't know what a servant is until we know the one that we're serving. So before you can have a revolution in radical servanthood, which I believe God desperately wants in the church, he does. He wants us to be the most generous people group around. He wants us to not have any kind of restriction or hindrance, but sometimes we get a little bit locked up. But before we can have a revolution in radical servanthood, we have to have a revelation on the one in whom we're serving. Guys, it is so important in this season. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm just saying this before, as all of you guys, as a sister, it is so important in this season to fall in love again with the man that is Jesus. It really is. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. I'm saying it because it's going to be the very thing that we need that's actually going to get us to where we're going as the body of Christ and as the church in the season to come. It is only from that place of authentic love and encounter can we have the ears to hear the word of God in this season. And I want to say this prophetically over this house and over the body of Christ that it is a new season in the church. And I would be really ignorant to say that many of us in this room haven't walked through incredible pain, haven't walked through incredible loss, haven't felt incredibly tired. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We got a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the world right now. And so before we can hear a message on servanthood, we have to remember Jesus. We just have to, we have to remember who he is and spend time and getting to know him. Listen, I'm all about listening to messages and sermons from other people that have had encounters with God. But if you in this season are not spending time eating on the word of God and asking Jesus for a fresh revelation from yourself, you're going to end up dry. We can't afford to live off of someone else's word in this time. That's what I feel. We can't afford to do it as a church. And so if you're wondering, man, I feel so bent out of shape. I feel like I'm doing all the right things. I feel like I'm saying the right things. You're going to be bent out of shape because you have to get to know him for yourself in this season. It is a new season. It's a new time to come alive as a body of Christ. To be alive in his presence. And circumstances don't dictate that. Seasons of life don't dictate that. What, I, what my income is and, or what my... What the situations are, don't dictate that. It is a renewing of the Holy Spirit. George Barna, have you guys kind of kept track of Barna statistics? They kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but that's okay. I believe God's still doing something really great. But George Barna says, right now we live in a day and age that most Americans blend their beliefs to create a customized worldview that is far from biblical. And as a country, we are in a spiritual crisis. We've taken, well, I like this piece of Jesus a little bit. And in this season, I really need this piece of Jesus a little bit. And we start to curate this gospel and we find ourselves in this place of disappointment. I wonder why, because we don't realize what it is that we're signing up for. it looks like something. It means something to look like him. And so when I think about the purpose of scripture, what's the purpose of scripture in this season? The revelation of scripture is to transform us into his likeness. If we are not being transformed, then it has little to do with the revelation of who he is. It has more to do with rhetoric and rhetoric, as we take that in, it begins to leave us dry. But God wants us to be in this place of Holy Spirit revelation that leaves us changed and inspired. So, I'm not trying to be cruel this morning, but I, can I be really honest? I'm, I might be a little honest this morning because there's a reason why Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 through 14... Enter through that narrow gate. He talks about this gate that's wide and there's so many people going down it, but that's a way to destruction. But there's a small gate, a narrow road that leads to life, but very few find it. Jesus said that, very few. When I think about the word servanthood and I'm looking at the one who's the ultimate servant, Jesus, which is who we're gonna be looking at this morning, I have to think that there is a a voice in this age that is speaking a different word. There's a voice in this age. The the enemy is crafty. I don't want to give him too much power. That power has been conquered. But we still give him ears sometimes into our life. And it helps create our own doctrine. At times there is a voice of the age that we're in now that says something different in regards to servanthood. And there's a reason why Paul says in Ephesians 4:14, 4, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning craftiness and deceitful seems. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is what? The head. We're supposed to grow up into him looking like Jesus Christ and from whom the whole body... All of us together as one are joined and held together. Each part is working properly. Makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. From this, this word, I've kind of deemed that spiritual maturity is described in two ways. It's doctrinal truth. Doctrinal truth. And it's the motivation of it is a spirit of Love. So, the mission of a servant is really simple. In fact, Sonia, I forget where she is. She's in this room somewhere. There she is. Sonia was praying this morning. She was talking about how simple it is to love Jesus because it's so simple. It just requires us to love God and to love people. We make so much about Christianity or about this, about our calling. We become very me-centric sometimes in the gospel. And I'm not saying that we don't have these designated callings. I believe that God knew you before you were born. And there's something in and through you that is needed in this hour to accomplish the work of Christ in the earth. But it's, when it comes to gospel, it's very simple. It's to love God first. And then from that place, find in ourselves a love that grows strong for other people. It isn't just about who you're gonna marry or where you're gonna end up or where you're gonna move to or what amazing thing you're gonna do. I believe that will happen. But it has to first be as simple as being about love. And so if I think about the ultimate servant, I can look no other than the life of Jesus, who is the ultimate example. And from his life, I recognize this thing called humility that he walked in. Such humility. So we're gonna look, turn with me. This morning to 2nd Philippians 1, sorry, 2nd Philippians, yeah, 1 through 18. And this is a really chunky piece of scripture, so just kind of hang in there as I'm going through it. I have a couple nuggets from it that I want to pull. But Paul opens up here and he begins talking about, he opens up with some conditional clauses. These if statements, per se, appealing to Christian experience. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort in love, if there is any participation in the Holy Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being what? Of the same mind. Having the same love and being in full accord of one mind. Do what? Do nothing. Not one thing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. And I love this. He says, have this mind among yourself. He is begging the people. He's saying, hey, adopt this attitude or this mindset. This is coming from the Greek word phreneo, appearing many times throughout this text as Paul's talking to the Philippians. It's to employ one's faculty of thought. To emphasize upon an underlying disposition or attitude. So he's saying, hey, pay attention. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Jesus Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I want to say this. This is not saying that God and Jesus were not one. But it's saying more, more or less that instead he did not use this to his advantage or exploit his position for his own personal advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. This word servant that Paul uses is called doulos, which is bondservant. It is the lowest of the low. And I will get more into that in a little bit. But being born into the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even into the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is it okay if I keep going? Hang in there with me. Therefore, my beloved, you have always obeyed. So now, not only in my presence, but mostly in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to pause here for a second when he says this, because what he's not saying is you have to work to gain your salvation. That's not true. Jesus died, and he paid for that so that we could walk in that freely, So this isn't a work from a place of striving, more or less, this is a inward working that he is begging them to do. Like a farmer who toils the soil of his heart with the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with sobriety, with sobriety, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do what? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why does he say this? Let's think about the history of where they've come from, right? I can't help but think about the Egyptians who went and saw the goodness of God. God literally led them out of the land. You remember, right? But they became so dissatisfied that they found themselves in this place of non-stop wandering. Because they got lost in their grumbling. They didn't have to be there. But God allowed them to be there. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. He's saying, hold on to that life vest That word, that rhema word of God, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run and labor in vain. And even if I'm poured out as a drink offering, even if every single thing that I have goes bye-bye, even if my own life goes bye-bye, I will be glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. There's a lot in this, in this one particular verse um, of the Bible. So if I had to kind of summarize it, I want to summarize it into my own mission statement, taking out pieces of what Paul said and kind of making it practical for us here as a church in America. Here's what I feel like he's saying to us. As a servant, I know that my life is not my own. And I'm committed to being joined together in the likeness of Christ and mutually with the body of Christ, I am both a slave and a servant. I'll get to where Jesus actually says that later on, but I know I was made in the image of God and yet with humility, I never use that for my personal gain, but only for his glory. And I'm committed to doing the inner work in partnership with the Holy Spirit to soften the ground of my heart and I'm choosing to remain innocent of heart not allowing the tension of a moment's pain keep me in an elongated season of disappointment. Instead, I'm holding fast to the word of God and just like Jesus, I count it all joy for my life to be poured out. There's a lot of people in the church that have been in an elongated season of disappointment. And a lot of it's really valid. I know because I've walked there myself over the past year. And some of that disappointment, when it lingers too long, can become self-inflicted. It can hold us in places of bondage that ultimately Jesus doesn't want us to be in anymore. And so that's why I said at the beginning of this time that it is a new season, because I really believe that God is wanting to bring a fresh word of life to the church, despite her circumstances. Where we're going, we can't go back. We can't look back. I said this at a couple, a, a couple Sundays ago. The Lord has given me this dream in November that I'll share briefly again. And in the dream, Harbor was hosting this kind of play and rendition of the Chosen, and we were all getting prepped and working really, really hard in this old log cabin that was very familiar to me. It's one of the only places in my life as a child that has been consistent because we moved around a lot here in South Florida and. And this cabin just has a lot of meaning to me. And in the dream, this cabin burned down. And I was devastated. And I had this moment where I, would, I just felt like, man, God's taking another thing. Like, I can't, I can't deal, Jesus, with you taking another thing. And this lady in the dream comes up to me. She's much older. Her name means butterfly house, house of transformation. But she came up to me in, in November and she said, you're, I'm pregnant and you're gonna be pregnant too. And not only will you be pregnant, but you have to look forward. You can't go backwards anymore to what I'm calling you into. There's something on the other side. And so as I, as I, as I looked back for just a brief second, I saw all the things that were lost. But as I looked forward, I began to see this bridge. And on this bridge, there were these people that were covered in white, and radiating this like joy and this presence unlike ever before. And there are so many people that were walking together on this mission. God's wanting to do a new thing in the church, but in order to do it, we can no longer look back at old seasons, no matter how beautiful or how miserable they may have been. Yes, they helped get us where we were. But there's a new thing that he's wanting to do. So we have to remember both Paul and Jesus as they're talking to people, they're they're going against a cultural spirit, right? Like we have to really read the Bible in the context of which it was written. So both Paul and Jesus are talking about this Roman culture. When they talk about people's mindsets, they're living in a, in a certain time. And the Romans were all about This, you know, military and political institutions and social institutions, they were conquerors and they spread their language and their culture throughout all the land. And this culture started to even leak within the church. We see this when the mother of Mary and John is looking at Jesus, or sorry, James and John. And she's like, which son, which son God is going to sit on your right? And which sons God's going to sit on your left? We see this with the disciples when they're arguing about who's going to be with Jesus And Jesus looks at them, Matthew 20, 25 through 28. And he called them and he said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them with great authority. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be a what? Servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a what? Slave Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if I'm pulling the context there, there's two words that are used. Doulos and diakonos. There's this concept that Jesus is presenting of not just one version of servanthood, but dual servanthood, essentially. Double, double servanthood. Doulos, which is used over 125 words. It's that ultimate form of slavery. Paul references this a couple different times in Romans 16, um, or 6, 16 through 20, when he says, by nature, we were doulos, slaves of sin. But to Christ, we have become slaves, doulos of righteousness. Paul described himself as a doulos to Jesus. He also talks about himself later in 2 Corinthians as a doulos to the people of God, not because they mastered him, but because he was called by the Lord to serve those people. And Jesus, of course, is a perfect example of this, as Paul describes him in Philippians two, 2, or 2 seven, as his position of a doulos, laying aside his personal interests to carry out the will of the Father. Doulos, this word, it begins to emphasize whom we belong to. And this is not an oppressive word. Actually, if you really understand the Father, it is the most freeing place to be. But it's a recognition that I don't get to make independent choices with my life because my life is actually not fully my own. And then you see the word diakonos, this servant, someone who carries out a task that's beneficial to someone else. We see Paul call himself a diakonos of God. A diaconos of the new covenant. Jesus promised that the Father would honor any diaconos that follows him. Diaconos even became later on the, the title that we call deacons here in the church in Philippians one and Timothy three uh, eight. But we see what ultimate discipleship looks like as Jesus Himself, this great and glorious King sat and he washed the feet of his his disciples. And he did this. I think the thing that's so beautiful about the humility of the Lord is that he did this fully knowing that there was people in that room that would betray him. He knew what was coming. He knew that his life was ending and yet even still, he came and he displayed servanthood to many. And nothing that happened... To Jesus, rob Jesus of who he was or what he was called to do. He knew no matter the outcome or no matter the situation that there was a purpose on his life to fulfill. No offense of a betrayal or no fear of death would stop him from that journey. In the church, when I think of servanthood, sometimes I've noticed within our culture that we've become so reactive to the behavior and the actions of those around us, that we let that steal from us what God is ultimately wanting to do, right? Well, that person didn't talk to me, or she gave me a funny look, or um, man, they really, it's something super severe. They incredibly hurt my feelings. They trash talked me, and we find ourselves so bent out of shape with the Lord. We lose our mission. We get off call. We do. It's just human nature. It's okay. There's no shame to that. There's no shame to that, but we got to we got to toil that soil. We have to remember what's going on on the inside. When I think about servanthood, I actually have to begin to look at the opposite, and this isn't to overglorify the enemy, but there is something about the way that the devil works. <laughs> And the way that he's lived his life, you see Isaiah 14 to, or 14: 12 through 14, Ezekiel 28, we see this as well, this beautiful description of this this one so majestic that the Lord made, Who out of him is displayed all beauty and these instruments and all this fascination, but ultimately at the inside of his heart, all he wanted to, was to be more than God. He didn't know what sacrifice looked like. He's like, how do I get to the top? And the further he tried to go to the top, the further down he fell. And to this day, he's still trying to do that on the inside of our hearts. We see this in Adam, with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? You remember? Where they, as God said, they were made in our image. But what what did the enemy do? He got in there and said, hey, just take this. God doesn't know what he's talking about. Just take a little bite. God wants to keep you from being like him, which is so silly because they already were. They already were like him, but he distorted it for their own benefit. We see this with Jesus. Jesus you guys remember when he's in that fast? He's in a 40-day fast. He's in this place of vulnerability with the Father. He knows what he's going to be walking into, and we see the devil come in. And he tests Jesus with what he can do, or who he was called to be, or what he could possess. That's absolutely ridiculous, because he is one with the Father. He doesn't need any permission for that, but there was a vulnerability there. God knew what was coming. Jesus knew what was coming. And so he tried to display before him, hey, Are you hungry? You want a little bite of bread? Do you want the cities to adore you? Do you want all of this rich wealth and power? Satan strikes when we're vulnerable. He tries to cast doubts on the words of God over our life and over our future. He wants to feed us to feed. On our pride and our flesh, and oftentimes he attacks us the most in a place of boredom and pain. And this is why we saw so many people, even people in the church, find some real nasty habits in the midst of COVID. For me, I was going through so much in the in the last three years that all I would want to do when I went home, and it's not inherently bad, but would just be to binge TV shows. (laughs) I'm just being honest. Like, oh, I don't want to be here. Life is too serious. Can I just flip on a show and just like, oh, bye-bye? I didn't, I didn't spend that time with him. Like, I wanted, he wanted me to. And there was moments where I would feel him. Come in, Savannah. Come be with me. Come be with me. But when culture of the church begins to imitate the culture of this world, we've done ourselves an incredible disservice. A statement I like to hear, or I don't like to hear, it's a statement I hear a lot in the church. And let me actually preface this with God wants us to have healthy, a healthy governor, right? Because when our spirit is one with him, I am not moved by fear of man, I am not moved from a place of obligation. I am moved knowing that I'm a son and I'm walking in what God has actually asked me to do. There's a lot of people in the church that do a lot of things that look really, really good and Jesus never asked you to do any of them. So let me preface it with that. It's not about if I can do the most for the Lord or if I look the holiest because if you look at the Bible, news flash, the people that God criticized the most was actually the Pharisees. In fact, read Matthew 23. It is is sobering to me as I was reading that, as Jesus was saying, how dare you clean the outside of your cup and yet leave the inside of your cup completely empty and dormant. There's a reason why he said that. Read it. It's for the church. So I want to preface with that. But there's also when we, if I look at revival and I look at some of the movements of old, one of the things that I see is that so many people revival left because so many people were so bent out of shape and they allowed their families to be sacrificed because they didn't know balance. So there's one side, right? But I find us creeping into this whole other side, which is not a message of what, what is God asking me to do in servanthood? It's what serves me. How many times do you guys hear that? Like, oh, that relationship just doesn't serve me in this season. Or that job doesn't really serve me. Or being on this team just doesn't serve me right now. And we've lost our way because we've, we've become hurt or we've experienced disappointment. I've been in the church long enough to see that one of the actual biggest reasons that people have pain on their heart when it comes to the church is because of serving. People didn't, they didn't see me. They didn't recognize me. They used me. You are a governor. The inside of your heart, God placed you with the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in what he's asked you to do. And if you do not feel grace in the thing that you're doing, it may be because you're doing the wrong thing. But regardless, God is asking you to do something in this season. Even if it's as simple as just being with him. So life by the spirit, it's what we need to have. Galatians 5, 13 through 26, Paul talks about this. You, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. What? He asked me to be a slave. Yes, but that slave, that servanthood is the ultimate form of freedom because I'm no longer controlled by anyone and I have a living spirit on the inside of me. But we do not use our freedom to indulge in our flesh. There's a lot of grace culture Sorry, another aside. I've seen it. Where it's like, no, God doesn't care. Or like, it's okay, I can just like totally, no, it's fine, he's gonna forgive me. And we found ourselves in this kind of like limbo land of living a little bit how I want to and a little bit how he asked me to. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you bite and devour one another, watch out for you will be destroyed. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is what, contrary to the Spirit. I'm going to do another aside here, if you don't mind. Not that I mind putting things that are wicked and calling them what they are. Because I think that that's needed. But I do find it really funny when we find ourselves shocked by how the world lives. The world doesn't have the same Spirit that we have. The world doesn't know the God that we have. The the world is locked up still in a bondage of old form. But as the church, we do know. And we are called to, to hold each other together, to go somewhere together, to live a life together. But it can't be contrary. The spirit and the flesh, they war with one another. They're in conflict with each other. So that you do not do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, which can live in the church. When we talk about one another, hatred, factions of the enemy, drunkenness, orgies and alike... I warn you as I did before. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The gate, it's really wide. It's really wide. It's easy. It's easy. It's the, in the flesh, it's easy to go down this path. But the way of the Lord, he's asking us to go down. The gate is narrow and few find it. But the fruit of the Spirit, I love this part. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Guys, we're not underneath that obligation anymore. That died with Jesus. Like we actually have inherited this level of freedom because of his sacrifice. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited or provoking one another. Guys, a servant cannot have two masters. It can't. But I want to state this. Conversion with the Holy Spirit is a one-time event. When Jesus was crucified, so was the flesh. And that should bring some joy and encouragement to anyone in this room. Because whatever it is that you're walking with or you're struggling with, it's already been paid for. And there's freedom to be found in that place, but there's still a what? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's, to- there's still a toil, we still gotta check ourselves and where we're at and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It is a time to be honest with one another and to come humbly, prefer one another. It's just time to prefer one another and say, God, what do you want me to do? In order to serve, there is a sacrifice at times that's required. I'm not saying that servanthood is always easy, though I think God gives grace sometimes to where he's calling us, but just like Jesus, there's a sacrifice at times required. We can't become, it's easy to to let culture influence us, right? We can't become so dependent on our feelings. I feel like in the Western church, it's hard because when you go overseas, you don't see this in the same way. But in the Western church, we've become so dependent on our feelings that we allow those feelings to be more of a compass than the truth that we're supposed to know on the inside. It's time to know the word of God. It's time to know, to let our spirits become refreshed with his presence. And he doesn't want us to work out of old habits. Because there's sometimes this this niche about talking about servanthood that's like, okay, good sir. Like, okay, let me work it up. Let me muster it up. Like, no, you're missing it. If you hear me saying that, you are missing it. And in the same respect, if you think that I'm just saying, hey, You know, God doesn't need you in this season. Like, you're also missing it. Because there's a call. There's a world that needs to know this God man. And they have to know it. By us actually living a lifestyle that looks different. Juan the other day was at Whole Foods and this yoga guy, like, kind of pegged him in the parking lot and said, I don't ever do this, but there's just something about you. He's like, I just see this light radiating all over you. And he's like, you have some, like, What did he use the word? It was like good mojo or something. And he's like, would you come to my my studio? And he's like, I'm not trying to get you to come. It's not because of that. He's like, but there's just something about you that I just really like. It's because we look different. There's a calling for us as a church to look different, to have different habits, to feast on different things, to operate in a different way. There's a lot of people in the world that are operating from a place of orphanhood. And there's a lot of people, unfortunately, in the church that are operating the same way. Guys, we are free. We're called to be free. So I'm going to read this again. You guys, go ahead and stand up with me, if you don't mind. This mission statement again, as Paul as Paul wrote it. And it, for those of you who have kiddos and Harper kids, I'll go ahead and dismiss y'all now. But you guys can go ahead and sneak out. But... Once again, as a servant, I know my life is not my own and I'm committed to being joined together in the likeness of Christ and mutually in the body of Christ. I'm freely both a slave and a servant. I'm freely both. And I know I was made in the image of God and yet with humility, I never use it for my personal gain, but for his glory. And I'm committed to do the inner work with partnership of the Holy Spirit to soften the ground of my heart. And I'm choosing to remain innocent of heart, not allowing the tensions of a moment's pain to keep me in elongated season of disappointment. Instead, I'm holding fast to the word of God, just like Jesus, to count it all joy for my life to be poured out. I want you to close your eyes for a moment there's certain people in this room that have maybe resonate with that feeling of just being in an elongated season of disappointment. And I'm here to encourage you as a sister and say that there is freedom because we're in a new season. There's a chapter that has been turned. God is wanting to meet you in a refreshing and a powerful way. He's wanting to meet you beyond what you've known. Some of you guys have grown up in the church and have heard the same Bible stories over and over again. You more or less say that you know the Father, but God is wanting to know you again. He's wanting to know you and for you to see him rightly. And then there's people that genuinely you you just want, you're like, man, I just want to know him and I'm trying my best, but I'm just tripping over everything in life right now. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's a habit that you've let in. God is wanting to give you freedom this morning. That's what I feel. Freedom this morning because you are not a slave. You are a son. But you are a son that's called to constant, what's the word I'm looking for? Thank you, consecrate. He's wanting you to consecrate your heart again. So Jesus, I just pray over every single heart and life in this room. God, I just thank you that you've called us to live freely, but you've called us to live as a servant of the Lord. And that being a servant means that we get to look like you. And what a privilege it is, Papa, to look like you. Jesus, we say right now, with everything on the inside of our heart, God, we want to look like you look. We want to say what you say. God, we want to hear how you hear. It's not enough, Jesus, to live off of this this manna of old season. God, you're calling us as a whole house, as a whole collective, as the body of Christ to eat off of the bread of a new season, the bread of a new word. And so God, I just ask that there would just be a new level of hunger that would just begin to be built up in the hearts of your people. That's what I felt like I heard the Lord say, it's time to get hungry again. It's time to become thirsty again. If you feel like you've lost your way, it is time to spend time with him again. And so Jesus, we just ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. And I know there's no preferential treatment to the harbor, but God, as a lady in this house, I ask that you would start with us, God, in this city. That you would make us so hungry That there would be a river of life that begins to pour out of this place. God, I pray against the fear of man. There's been fear of man, that's what I thought, that's been trying to keep a lot of people locked up. God wants freedom because joy looks like something and life looks like something. It looks like something, guys. Life looks like something and I can tell you as much as it's not about feelings, life feels like something. I'm gonna say this last thing and then we're gonna close it out. Today is the six month anniversary of my beautiful mother-in-law passing away. And when I think about the life of a servant, there is no more beautiful example than her and I wish you guys all could have known her because she was incredible. And even into her last breath, we were with her in her last month as she passed away of cancer very brutally. But even in her last week of life, she just had her hands raised the whole time. And would remind us, even in the midst of her own pain, of the beauty of God and how happy she was to see him. I want to be so in love like that. I want to be so in love like that. And that's, that's the kind of love that God has for us times a thousand. If you only knew how much he loves you, that serving actually doesn't feel sacrificial anymore in that sense. Because when you're taken by love, when there's this thing of love that begins to come off, you can't help but help people. You can't help but love people. But when we're locked up in offense and bitterness and other things, it becomes so hard to do that. And some of us don't want to do that because of spitefulness. Because I don't want to give to that ministry, or I don't want to give to that thing, or I don't need to give my time to that person. That person's a joke. But you've lost the thing. It's not about that person. It's always been about him. Same thing with our finances, guys. Come on you know i was talking to a, i'm sorry i told you i'd wrap up and i promise i will but i was talking to a financial advisor and he said that the church gives from a place of poverty all the time went statistically speaking right now in the church we give as though we're in a poverty line of 20 grand or, or less i think that that's a, the poverty line but he talks about how we're so restricted even when we're not actually restricted Guys, it's about him. He wants us to live freely from a place of abundance. It has very little to do with us collecting your money and very much to do with constantly breaking the, the, the what's it called, the, this kind of bondage that's been over the church. I need to remind my soul who the Lord is. And that's with my time and that's with my generosity because nothing owns me but him. Nothing's supposed to at least. So guys, we're gonna have time. If you just need to spend time with the Father, this is, we're just gonna make a place up here for you to be with him a little bit longer. We've, we're technically officially dismissed, but I really do believe that God is wanting to encounter your heart anew. He's wanting to meet you in a fresh way and remind you of who you are and who you belong to. So we're gonna make space for that. You guys, thank you so much for coming this morning. We're so happy to have you, but there's space at the front just to be in the presence of God. See so you guys, you guys be blessed. For those that need to come be with him, please don't go. There's space here for you to encounter him anew. Love y'all, be blessed.